This is Brian Reisman. Welcome to Side Jams, which is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Dutch singer Flora Janssen has certainly had a dynamic career. After fronting the symphonic metal bands After Forever and Revamp, she became the celebrated lead singer for the internationally popular Finnish group Nightwish. Her second album with them, Human Nature, is a double-disc set that went number one in two countries and top five in ten more. She also has a burgeoning solo career after appearing last year on the Dutch television show Beste Zangers, Best Singers, which showcased her incredible vocal range. Three of her performances on that program, which spanned a variety of genres, became number one hits in her homeland of the Netherlands. She is finally a household name there many years after becoming popular everywhere else. That's a nice turnabout. When she is not touring the world or recording music, Flora loves to ride horses and explore nature. For this episode of Side Jams, she spoke with me via Skype from her country home in Sweden, where she now resides with her husband and their three-year-old daughter. They have been making the best of our current quarantine situation, and that includes spending quality time with her two horses. Her love for the animals goes back to her childhood, and she had plenty to discuss about them, riding, and horsemanship. Well, hello, Flora. Thanks for taking the time to chat for Side Jams. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We chatted many, many years ago. Today, we're going to talk about your love of horses, which, yeah. is, which is cool. This is a first. Have you ever been an equestrian? Well, no, not not professionally. Or I've never been interested in actually um, doing any competitions. I'm not competitive when it comes to horseback riding. Right, right. <laughs> but when, when did your love for horses start? Oh, at a very early age, actually. As a kid already. Um, but my parents thought that they, they were dangerous, so I was not allowed to go riding. But I had a, I had an uncle who uh, promised me a horse, and he had been doing that for years. But this time it came to a point that he said, well, tomorrow a horse comes. I already know which one, and you're going to love it, and you're going to start riding. And finally, uh, yeah, I must have been around 10 years old. It felt like it felt like it was really going to happen. I was so excited, and I told my parents, and they were not excited. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, they told my uncle, I don't know what they told my uncle, but <laughs> they told him anyway that that was not going to happen. And they told me that's not going to happen, Flora. But I can understand that you're really extremely disappointed right now. So um, we don't think it's a good idea that you have your own horse and surely not from this uncle. But uh, you can go uh, to a riding school and you can start uh, having lessons. Wow, finally. So I was 11 and um, well, I'm very tall. I don't know if people know that about me, but. Well, how tall are you? I'm I'm over six foot and okay. um, uh, six one or yeah, one eighty three uh, centimeters. And uh, I'm a I'm a tall girl. I was tall when I was a kid, so I, I skipped the whole pony stuff and I went straight to horses. <laughs> and uh, had had my mom sitting on the side of my lessons every every week, petrified at first, then interested. And after one year, she actually decided to uh, give it a shot herself because she got so into it and <laughs> got so curious so she got uh, into horseback riding too soon followed my sister and well even my dad uh, gave it a shot it was um, for us more amusing than anything else i'm sure the horse <laughs> thought differently but he did not really have much of a feeling for it <laughs> why did they not want this uncle to give you a horse was it the uncle or was it just the idea of you owning a horse yeah he had a lot of horses so we always talked about horses and he knew that I loved I loved them. And for me, it was a dream. I mean, I was a kid. I, I had no idea about how it would be to actually own a horse, which, funny enough, um, I'm, I'm starting to figure out now at the age of 38. Uh, I got my first uh, own horse last year oh, wow. uh, since we moved to a place where we can have horses. And it still felt like a distant dream. Like, how am I going to balance 
my music life um, and, and, and my mom being a mom with having a horse. But this this where we live, it's it made it possible, and I'm getting some help from from really cool people. So, yeah, uh, I'm now only happy that I never got that horse when I was ten because I would have not known what to do. And uh, <laughs> I got good lessons throughout the years, and I, I later on also started to look after other people's horses every now and then. And riding has always been. A huge thing it actually for me uh when i had to choose what profession i was wanted to to choose as we do in the netherlands you 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 study all your basics and then you you kind of take a decision on what you're gonna do okay what school is gonna be and for me it was either music or horses but in the netherlands at the time there was nothing musically that fitted to what i would want to do with music uh it was either jazz or classical and i didn't want to do any of it uh, I was already in After Forever. Uh, I was already enjoying rock and metal, and I no, so it became horses. So if I ever been an equestrian, it probably was the six month I studied um, at that school. But they kind of send me out to work uh, immediately. That was part of the schooling. So you work in a stable for half a year, and then you're on school on a campus once the other second half. That six seven month that I did was enough for me to realize that I'm. Uh, I'm not an equestrian. I'm not going to be doing this professionally because I'm uh, I'm missing my music. And as much as I like horses, I don't really enjoy the world that comes with it, nor the people. So um, oh, really? <laughs> the choice was made. It's very hard. And I missed very often the love for the animals and their well-being over other important things like money <laughs> right so um yeah it's a hard world and uh not mine and it took me years and years to get back with horses actually because uh i fe always felt that i was missing something with it and now there's something called horsemanship uh it's been there for years but uh it's it's just just a couple of years that i'm back back in the saddle literally uh, figuring out a different way to mm. ride and communicate with horses, which is very enjoyable, especially when you have your own horse where you can really connect with other than with other people's horses. <laughs> well, I dated an equestrian many, like like 15 years ago almost, and um, I was getting close to competing at the Olympic level, but it wow. got very it got very expensive. Her family just, just didn't have the money. Oh. Uh, you know, you, you have to buy a horse. I'm, I'm, there's obviously all the riding gear, and I'm sure there's the cost of the stable and the lessons. So was yes. was that the thing that was hard for you? Was it was it the people around the horses, or was it just more the, the economic realities of competing and, and being and even just owning a horse? Maybe a combination of both. I mean, I would not have had the economic means to own a horse of myself. Um, it's more that that if you if you own a stable and you have a lot of horses and one of the horses gets injured, then the choice would for me still be the well being of the horses over it. Uh, an economic choice and I've seen that happen a little bit too often that it was more important to still make some money on it than to get the horse to slaughter for instance very fast or yeah. get a good uh, vet on it and um, yeah just the overall social skills of a lot of people were not great so I didn't fit in which you know fair enough uh, that was more me than them um, and I'm still grateful for it because I'm a fish in the water <laughs> as a musician and i really much enjoy horses uh in in my private hobby uh, way and there's nothing serious about it uh you know competitive or anything you won't see me go to the olympics 
even though I have met an Olympic champion called Anki van Grunsven, she's a Dutch um, dressage Amazon. She's she is amazing. She's a fantastic, fantastic, very inspiring person for me. I got to meet her in real life and just realized that yeah, that this is this is the the normal person, the one that would put her horse before anything else. And uh, she performed on a super high level, but with a good. Um, contact with her horse and yeah that would be that that's super cool to see and here at home i'm just connecting to my two horses i have two now and uh and and enjoy being with them and the cool thing with being with animals in general and definitely with horses is that they rate you so well so if i come in all stressed yeah <laughs> they'll, they'll they'll just lift their eyebrows you know <laughs> not literally but you know what i mean they're like yeah, if you're going to be like this, nothing's going to happen because we think it's really scary that you're, you know, upset about something because they're they're made to flee. So whatever stress you have could possibly be danger and it stresses them out. Um, so I need to calm down and and it works. And it, yeah, it's fantastic. They're they're mirrors, really. <laughs> You know, it's interesting because I remember I was we were at a we were at a farm somewhere and this horse was coming up to me and kind of rubbing sort of trying to rubbing its you know it, its its head up against me and I thought I thought something was wrong and and she was like no no it's it's actually it really likes you yeah and I was like <laughs> yeah. oh you know because people don't because horses are big animals so you don't know if you don't know oh. anything about horses you're like oh wait what's going on here yeah yeah that well that's the thing and if anything I would have loved to learn from the get go when I was a kid is a little bit more about horses and not how to sit on them. And, you know, you learn how to put a saddle on the horse, but you don't know, learn very much about the horses themselves, how they behave, how they communicate. And that is something that I find highly uh, interesting now. That's the, where my focus lies. And, uh, you know, it's also in it's important not to get damaged, you know, um, injured. I mean, nowadays it would be kind of shit if I would have to call tonight and say, guys, I went out with my horses and uh, yeah, my leg is really, really broken oops. so uh yeah oops so i have very <laughs> in the choice of which kind of horses uh, to choose i chose very calm ones i mean it's never a guarantee obviously but um and then good communication and understanding each other uh, is a very important thing in in uh, being safe with them and uh yeah to see that happen and to see that they feel good with me too that's so rewarding. Um, yeah, that's that's what nature can do. And for me, nature in general is something I, I if I get outside, if it can be outside to go through the woods with them here, um, there's nothing that just uh, calms me down and, yeah, recharges my batteries better than that. <laughs> yeah, I remember it, it would be hard to actually have a professional singing career and also do equestrian stuff. I, I still remember, you know, the tragedy of Christopher Reeve and, and the fact that he'd been competing and then he got knocked off his horse and then was paralyzed yeah. you know, for, for the rest of his life. I interviewed him like about a year, I think a year before he died, uh, did a phone with him. He was a really interesting guy. Hmm. Um, that, that's got to be tough, though. Definitely, you know, take, Taking yeah. a fall like that. And there's also, there's also the, um, you know, there's that sort of that cliche that if you get knocked off a horse and you better try to get back on there quickly, that you might not do it again. Is that actually true? Do you find that people get, they get spooked, that, that they don't go back? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I always go back on. So I, um, but I, I, I can imagine. I haven't been kicked off a horse in in a very long time. And the last time it happened, it was exactly the the moment that I thought, okay, something needs to change in how I am with horses, because that horse had been basically telling me from the second I set foot into the stable, I don't feel great. 
for whatever reason. He could not give me the specifics, but he was very specific in his body language. I don't want to do this. But I said, as a human, yes, yes, of course we are. There goes the saddle. We're going out. It was minus 15 degrees, which is cold. It was freezing cold. The horse, I think, had too little. uh, Its coat was not uh, thick enough. And already a while before that, I noticed in his behavior that he, he, he was not doing good. He wasn't having a good time in the stable he was in. He became a, a riding school horse, and that was not for him. And um, I'm ex- not super experienced, but experienced enough to have that feeling. And I, I told the people who own him, uh, something is wrong. We checked his gear. We checked everything. Oh, he should be fine. We're going out anyway. And um, yeah, well, then he tossed me off. He really gave me the big finger and said, I am not going to do this. Oh, boy. Um, well, where, did he, where did he toss you off to? It, well, he tossed me into the snow, so that was very kind. Uh, <laughs> 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 but, yeah, it, for me, after that, it really felt like, yeah, but this was this was his, he, he'd been really saying, it, it didn't come out of the blue that he just, you know, put his ass up and, and, and tossed me off. He'd already been communicating with me, and I don't want to force a horse into something that it doesn't want to do. What's the fun in that? So, of course, they're, it doesn't mean they can always do whatever they want. But in this case, it was a very specific um, force level that was there that I did not enjoy. And um, now I've been learning about natural horsemanship. Um, I ride with without a bet in their mouth. Uh, so it's all based on trust, weight, and Hell, if a horse wants to take off a little piece of iron in their mouth, won't stop them for sure. My horse weighs 750 kilos. Um, How many pounds is that? I have no idea. A lot. <laughs> she's a she's a Clydesdale. It's there in the Budweiser commercials. <laughs> Very big horses. <laughs> if she wants to do something, she's going to do it anyway. So then, a good connection with your with your horses is smart and uh, very highly enjoyable. I can recommend it to anybody. But start with the basics and not with just jumping up on their backs and think that they will do what you want if you just kick them hard enough. <laughs> well, I just looked this up. So 750 kilos is 1,653 pounds. There you go. So that's You don't hang. want it on your foot. <laughs> no, wait. Oh, God. I mean, yeah, I, I, I think I only... I think I rode a pony once. My parents took us out to a farm in Western Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. It was cool. I never, I never did horse riding. I never had a chance to do it. Now, being tall... I imagine that you have to have a proper stance. You have to have a certain stance that you take. Does does your height factor into how you ride? Maybe that, yeah, maybe. But um, I think it's more personality and the, and uh, and the way you use your body. I mean, my my big horse for her, I'm probably still small. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. I'm a tenth of her. There has to be some respect, and uh, there has to be a mutual understanding and a willingness. Um, Unfortunately, they're they're flock animals. They're flight at flight flea animals. They think and work differently than than we do, and that's where communication comes in. That we ask the horse to understand what we do when we, you know, go around with them. But it's smart for us to understand what they say too. And um, yeah, there's a there's a long road there for a lot of people. I think uh, to get back into that, and it's very very enjoyable. So, what kind of horse do you have? I have a Clydesdale, uh, right, as I right. just said, that, yeah, um, but also a Hufflinger, that's an Austrian breed, um, both um, calm by nature, and uh, one is three, the, the Hufflinger is, um, is a three-year-old uh, that I'm going to start with, 
which I actually thought I would do next year. But thanks to the COVID-19 virus, um, I have a lot of time now. So <laughs> I might yeah. start. Yeah. And the Clydesdale uh, is uh, nine, had not been ridden until last year. Uh, she's been uh, used for, for breeding before that, not intensely, but uh, well, she's just basically been standing around in a paddock, And but she's smart, very intelligent, so <laughs> it's very easy to teach her things, which is also dangerous because you can teach them the wrong things as well, but uh, so far so good with the both of them. <laughs> so now do, do your husband or, or daughter ride? No. I mean, my, my kid's three, three years old, so the, but uh, I do have a dream that one day uh, she's at the same age as the young horse, uh, that the, uh, she can ride on uh, on her. <laughs> and my husband's not into uh, into horses much, even though he uh, he enjoys uh, the two that we have because they live at our place. So, uh, yeah, he just go out and pet them. Um, but uh, there's nothing in him that wants to jump on their backs. He just got himself a motorcycle. And uh, we realized that I'm also not motivated to jump on the back of that thing. So <laughs> we share different interests. <laughs> yeah, different types of riding. Yeah. Do you have stables on your property? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So what? where where do you go riding then? Into the woods. Yeah. So there are nice paths here. Um, there's a, a little road, like a dirt road around a lake. That's super nice to do. Uh, obviously, uh, riding through dense woods is not great, but uh, there are some good... Uh, good paths here i can i can follow and i'm actually uh having a, the plan to build a paddock here in one of the uh, uh or a riding facility in one of the paddocks so that's nice are there any places that are not advisable to ride on yeah i mean for their hoops uh, part of the roads we have have really big rocks it's not enjoyable for their feet and anything with a lot of traffic i would say you really need to make sure that your horses are probably trained for that but uh, the area I live barely has any, so I'm 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 good. Um, I just hope. I mean, there's quite a bit of moose around the here. <laughs> I <laughs> how, how, do they, how do they how do they get along with moose? I've never had the encounter of being on a horse yeah, and moose yet. There's been some deer and some big birds. Yeah, even a fox in the distance, but no moose. <laughs> and also because you're riding, I mean, you have a love of nature as well, which works out well considering the band you're in. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Are there things that are hiking or things that you like to do? Places Absolutely. you like to go? Yeah, we have a big uh, dog as well that I like to take for a spin here in the woods. And I mean, the, the house itself is in the woods. Like now I'm going to be growing my own veggies and I'm going to see my garden get to life now that spring is finally starting. I don't need to go on big adventures to enjoy nature. I just need to, you know, look out the window or step into my uh, garden and uh, and I'm in the midst of it. And uh, it's fascinating to see how everything grows or stops growing. And then the winter comes and see all the seasons uh, as we have them here and um, different birds that come and go and the different colors on the furs of the, the, the uh, on the deer. It, for me, the magic lies in small things, and, and it, it's funny that that is a subject that became so big in the Nightwish albums, too, because that's been something that I've been enjoying uh, ever since I was a child. I've been been like that. You can give me a flower, and I can be really fascinated about it <laughs> for a while. Just, well, sure. So there's magic in, in, the, in the real world right about, right 
around us and yeah I, get, I can really invite people to to enjoy that especially now that the pandemic is happening but but always I mean it's harder when you're in a city but I would say that it's even more vital you do that because you're so away from from clear skies and uh, and silence I think it's an unnatural thing for people to be so close to each other all the time with that much input levels. I think a lot of people are not doing great with that. And it's pretty easy to recharge your battery if you just take the time for it. Even a 30-minute walk, a little bit away from things, focusing on the beauty of a tree. <laughs> and yeah, I don't want yeah. to sound all hippie-ish, but I, I, I think it's a little bit more than that. And I know in Scotland it's even a proven thing they they recommend it officially to people that have mental uh, illness i i think it's it's vital i know that for my my health and well-being it's it's vital it's not a luxury and it's not a hippie thing it's it's vital and uh yeah i mean we're also part of it we might forget that you know we see ourselves as human and as nature and there comes our nightwish album once again where we kind of do a word trick with the word with both words with nature and human and human nature but if you look at the DNA of a banana and you look at our DNA, there's like a 30% difference or something small like that. Of course, right. we don't look like, like a banana, but there's so much that we have in common, not to mention monkeys or, or, or it's like a 3% different. We are nature just as much. And uh, when, you, when you are with animals or when you're around nature or you focus on the nature around you, uh, it can really, uh, yeah, make you feel better. Well, I mean, you you grew up in Holland and then you moved to Finland, I'm assuming after you joined the band, and then yeah. you married a man from Sweden, so you moved to Sweden. How have the natural landscapes of those countries where you live been different? Uh, all very different. I mean, the Netherlands is very small, um, very small, and it has 70 million people on it. So it's, it's basically one big city uh, with big parks that we still call villages or areas around you, but around it, but it's, it's, it's crowded, and especially compared to Finland, uh, we only has five and a half million people, but it's much, much bigger. Whereas Sweden has nine million people, uh, it's also huge. So the density is, is here also much less. And I found that in both countries, Sweden and Finland, people are more connected to nature. It's more integrated in their daily lives. And uh, yeah, that's also part of the reason why when I met my husband, we didn't go to the Netherlands, but we, we went to Sweden instead because I really got into the Nordic calmness and space and nature very much and as many differences as there are between Finland and Sweden there are also things in common and nature might just be one of them uh, so yeah I thrive very very well here and also I mean even living in three different countries gives you just a different perspective on people I mean it's funny Europe is is you know has got all those smaller countries than say the states but there's a lot of different personalities and ideas even within those spaces sure but I'm sure it's the same in the United States oh yeah my, you know, it's debatable how united they are, and, and it's, it's <laughs> yes. amazing that everybody speaks too, the same language. But yeah, well, definitely European Union. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel very unit. Yeah, well, let's not go into politics, but I think it's more remarkable that uh, a country the size of the United States managed to get one language through. It's quite something, big continents with one language, and uh, uh, that first, of course, didn't have that. Um, Europe has still stayed more close to its uh, identity as it was before and had so many yeah, small countries that somehow survived the tooth of time, so to, say, so to speak. Yeah. It's interesting to keep those differences alive as well. 
not meaning being blind for other languages or, or cultures, but uh, um, it defines more who you are. And uh, I can say that as, as someone who immigrated, that uh, it, it's very colorful and it's interesting to see differences. And it also helps you to confirm more about your own yeah, identity and upbringing and uh, roots. Obviously, you have three different languages you're dealing with in those countries. There are, are there similarities that allow you to cross over and learn learn them? Yes. Well, Finnish is a language on its own entirely. It has nothing to do with any other European language. Finnish is a different language, and Swedish and Dutch are, are, are Germanic languages. So it has its uh, uh, base in an ancient similar form, which means that it was pretty easy, as, of Eng- as English too, pretty easy to learn. <laughs> Well, finally, is there any advice you would give to someone who's interested in learning about riding? Yeah, I mean, get interested in, in being in horses before riding. Uh, it's much safer and it's way more fun. And find yourself a good riding uh, school, the right horse to start with. And uh, I would totally recommend you to write, read something about horsemanship. That, that would be my recommendation. Cool. Well, listen, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, the same to you. It was very enjoyable to talk with you. I had fun, and hopefully we'll see you, uh, <laughs> yeah. I guess, 2021 at this point is like the safe bet for most bands. Yeah, we'll take it as it comes. But please stay stay safe, stay healthy. You too. And enjoy life as it is. <laughs> I am. I'm, I'm being more contemplative, I think, people. I Hopefully, like you are. Hopefully, people are. And I think you're in, the, you're in the best space to do that out in the country where you are. Actually, yeah. Yeah, that's it. All, All right. right. Thank you. Take care. Thank you, Flora. Bye-bye. That wraps up this latest episode of Side Jams. Please join me for the next installment, which will feature guitar legend Joe Satriani. The tunes used in this podcast are from Fox and the Law, and I licensed them through AudioSocket. As always, thank you very much for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.